Okay, Psalm 35. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armor. Arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to be shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. May they be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. May their path be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Since they hid their net for me without cause, and without cause dug a pit for me, may ruin overtake them by surprise. May the net they hid entangle them. May they fall into the pit, to their ruin. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. My whole being will proclaim, Who is like you, Lord? You rescue the poor from those who, do, um, who are too strong for them, the poor and needy from those who rob them. Ruthless witnesses come forward. They question me on things I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good. And they leave me like one bereaved. Yet when I they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. When my prayers returned to me unanswered, I went about mourning as though my friend or brother. I mourned, I bowed my head in grief as though weeping for my mother. But when I stumbled, they gathered in glee. Assailants gathered against me without my knowledge. They slandered me without ceasing. Like the ungodly, they maliciously mocked. They gnashed their teeth at me. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their ravages, my precious life from these lions. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs, I will praise you. Let not those who gloat over me, who are my enemies without cause, do not let them hate, who hate me without reason maliciously wink the eye. They do not speak peaceably, but devise false accusations against those who live quietly in the land. They sneer at me and say, Aha! With our own eyes we have seen it. Lord, you have seen this. Do not be silent. Do not be far from me, Lord. Awake. Rise to my defense. Contend for me, my Lord and God. Vindicate me in your righteousness, Lord my God. Do not let them gloat over me. Do not let them think, aha, just what we wanted, or say, we have swallowed him up. May all who gloat over my distress be put to shame and confusion. May all who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and disgrace. May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, the Lord be exalted, who delights in the well-being of his servants. My tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praises, all day long. So that's quite a reading, and this is the Word of God. There we go. Well, tomorrow is uh, Thanksgiving, and Canada has had this holiday almost from the beginning, since Confederation way back in 1867. Uh, the exact date for Thanksgiving has been official since uh, uh, 1957, uh, when, uh, prime, uh, when our Governor General Vincent Massey issued a proclamation. 
He said, a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed shall be observed on the second Monday in October. So, here we are. Uh, The day before, we are asked to offer God thanks for his bountiful, for the bountiful harvest. Now, this didn't start in Canada. This is actually quite an old habit. You can go all the way back into the Old Testament in the book of um, Exodus, and you read about something called the Feast of, or the Festival of Ingathering. Now, this would happen after the harvest was in from the fields and the orchards and the vineyards, the threshing floors and the granaries and the olive presses, they had been busy places for a while, and now it was all done, and the people were happy, and they were ready for a festival, the festival of ingathering. In England, uh, during the Protestant Reformation, uh, they would have um, a special day of um, day of fasting and also a special day of thanksgiving. Days of fasting during times of drought or plague or military failure, or a day of thanksgiving at the end of the hunger, at the end of the plague, or, well, with a military victory. In um, 1588, they called a great day of thanksgiving after the battleships of the English Navy set sail against the battleships of the Spanish Armada and defeated the Armada. Uh, they saw the hand of God in these strong winds that came in the right direction at the right time. And so they had a day of thanksgiving. In the New World, in America, there was Thanksgiving um, early on. Those pilgrims in Plymouth, which is now in the state of Massachusetts, uh, those pilgrims had a feast after their first harvest in, in 1621, a long time ago. And this was after what was really an awful, awful year. Of the 100 pilgrims that made land that first year, only 50 of them survived a year later. And uh, so, you know, there was a really bad year. And yet they still did Thanksgiving. We're told that four women prepared the feast, which was supposed to be for pilgrims only, but then some indigenous you know, a group of indigenous people came through the forest with food of their own and offered to celebrate together, and they did, and they had a kind of intercultural celebration of Thanksgiving. It seemed that that first nation had its own, you know, harvest festival. So when we have Thanksgiving tomorrow, we're actually keeping up a long, sturdy tradition. But should we do that? I mean, what, what if the last year was really hard? I mean, those pilgrims, you know, after that horrible year, they, they could put on their happy faces and, and have their big supper. But is that, is that a rule? I mean, we, we, we live in a world where a lot of things can go very bad. I mean, just follow the news. I mean, there are reasons to wonder 
You know, I went online yesterday and checked the CBC News, and the homepage will have a list of the five top stories. They're the ones that are getting the most clicks at the time. And here are the five top stories on yesterday's homepage. First, hundreds of Israelis and Palestinians killed in a day of violence that erupted with surprise Hamas attack. I mean, Dave's already mentioned that in the prayer. Uh, cult of self-proclaimed Queen of Canada threatens Saskatchewan village with public executions. Very strange story from the prairies. Alarm bells are ringing. What markets are trying to warn us about the economy? How seniors can have uh, four key vaccines this fall for COVID, flu, pneumonia, and RSV. And finally, is the carbon tax an easy scapegoat for high food prices? I mean, should I also mention fentanyl deaths, the housing shortage, interest rates, gas prices? Do we really want to do Thanksgiving? And what if, what if other people are suffering while I am, well, sort of lucky? What if, you know, like the Puritans, they, they have to have their day of fasting because of hunger or plague or military defeat? Well, I can have a, a day of thanksgiving because, well, my plate is full. I'm disease-free. I've never seen a shot fired in anger in my whole life. What if I have a happy family while next door there's a widow who is always lonely? Or a broken family full of, of hurt and disappointment? I mean, can Thanksgiving becoming, can it become a kind of thoughtless thing? You know, I've got mine, so I'm thankful. Yeah, sorry about you. Can we do that? It's a fair question, but to me, Thanksgiving is still right. It's not like I'm thankful because I'm happy and he is not. I mean, that would be very selfish. But, but I can be thankful for my full plate and still also care about the hungry. I can be thankful for peace here and pray for people caught in a war there. I can do both, and I should do both. I should have a grateful heart for the blessings I have, but also a compassionate heart for, for those who suffer. Paul told the Thessalonians, be thankful in all circumstances. And that would include times of sickness and seasons of drought and even persecution and loss. Which does not mean that we have to be thankful for times of persecution and drought and sickness and loss. But even in those times, there is a helper. There is a source of comfort. There is a source of peace that passes all understanding. And for that, for that we can be very thankful. Now, our psalm is a good example of this. It, it's a, an example of of gratitude, we see gratitude in the middle of a, of a dark time. Now, I've said, this is a psalm with very strong colors. There is a very, the dark is very dark, and the psalm is very honest about that, and we hear him complaining loudly to God about how bad things are. And then, 
Other parts are bright. They're very bright. So it's like thanksgiving and praise kind of break out and, and, and shine bright. Now, this psalm is about someone who has enemies. And these are enemies who want to hurt him, to hurt him bad. They set out to destroy his reputation. They slandered him, as he said. They maliciously mocked him and made false accusations against him. And it was totally unfair. I mean, he had been good to those people and had showed them real caring and, 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 and real empathy. When they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. And, and when it seemed like his prayers would go unanswered, I went about mourning as though for my friend or my brother. I bowed my head in grief as though weeping for my mother. And you would think that that would earn him some respect and some, well, some love. But no. They repay me evil for good and leave me like one betrayed. They slender me without ceasing. They gnash their teeth at me. And they did it for no good reason. They hid their net from me without cause. And without cause dug a pit for me. They are my enemies without cause. They hate me without reason. And so all through this psalm we hear these, this anguish, this sense that I have been so unfairly done by, and Lord, please come and help. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend against me. Fight against those who fight me. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue my life from their ravages, my precious life from these lions. O Lord, you have seen this. Do not be silent. Do not be far from me. Contend for me. Vindicate me. So the title of this psalm is um, that it's a psalm of David. But we can think of other people in the Bible who could also sing a song like that. We can think of Elijah or the prophet Jeremiah or, frankly, even I mean, Jesus himself. I mean, they were all pursued by their enemies. They suffered because they were faithful to God and they were faithful to their calling. It wasn't, their suffering wasn't a result of bad decisions and poor choices. It wasn't punishment for bad behavior. I mean, more than anything, they were attacked for doing what is right and good for believing what is true and noble and worthy of praise. And then, after a lot of that, we have these moments of, of brightness when, when, the, when the mood lightens and, and things look hopeful and, and even happy. The psalm says, My soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. My whole being will proclaim, Who is like you, O Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them, the poor and needy from those who would rob them. He says, I will give you thanks, Lord, in the great assembly. Among the throngs I will praise you. And in the end, he says, My tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praises all day long. So these are like points of light 
in a, in a dark space. And, and in a dark space, a point of light, it lets you, it lets you go forward. Because if you are caught in darkness, complete darkness, only darkness, you, you can't move. You, you can't orient yourself. Step this way and you run into a tree. Step that way and you fall over a log. Step that way and you fall into a well. But a light makes all the difference. You can see your way forward. And what catches me in this psalm is that, is that these points of light are built on trust. Trust that God will help. It's not like he already has, that he's already come, that, that, but the psalm writer expects that he's will. He's sure that he, God will. He can see it already. And, and so he imagines the day when he will give thanks Right now his enemies are slandering him and maliciously mocking him and making wild accusations against him and destroying his reputation. But things will turn around in the end. The truth will come out and the truth will win. And then I will give you thanks, Lord, in the great assembly. Among the throngs I will praise you. In other words, I'm giving thanks now for what God will do in the future. God has a long history of helping me and helping people in trouble. And so now, even now, I give him thanks. So on Thanksgiving, we give thanks for, for all things bright and beautiful, for all creatures great and small. We give thanks for the Lord of all creation, for water, land, and sky. We thank him for summer and winter, for springtime and harvest. We thank him for homes to live in and green places to play in. We give thanks for children and for parents and for grandparents and maybe great-grandparents. We give for thanks for schools from kindergarten through elementary high school to high school and college. We give thanks for a free country and a, and a safe country. We give thanks to God for what he has given us. And yes, he has given us a lot. And if things go dark, and we also give thanks for things we can expect. We give thanks because we can expect God to be our help in trouble, our comfort in sorrow. We expect that even in dark times, he will be a refuge and a strength. And when we make a mess of things through our own faults, then we can ask God to meet us in gentleness and love and grace, ready to forgive. And always in front of us, there is the one who called himself the light of the world. It's Jesus. He's in front of us, not just behind us. In other words, he's in our future, not just far in the past. He is the one who has offered himself as an atoning sacrifice who rose from the dead and then ascended to the Father with the promise that he will come again. Jesus 
is in our future. And that great big point of light is waiting for us. So no matter what darkness we face, the bright light is stronger still. You probably heard that old line about the difference between an optimist and a pessimist, you know, that the optimist sees the glass half full and the pessimist sees the glass half empty. You know, there's a whole bunch of different expressions for that, and I looked a few up the other day. I uh, found some nice, interesting lines. Here's from Quran. The optimist sees the rose and not the thorns. Pessimist stares at the thorns and not the rose. Winston Churchill, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. George Bernard Shaw, both optimists and pessimists contribute to society. The optimist invents the airplane. The pessimist invents the parachute. Oscar Wilde, we are all in the gutter, but optimists are looking up at the stars. And then Paul Henry, the famous um, radio commentator, he says, I have never seen a monument erected for a pessimist. People who change the world, he says, have to be optimists. Now, these are fun quotes, and they make a point. But as a follower of Christ, I would say still more. Christians can be optimists, should be optimists. And that's not just a personality thing. You're not just born sunny side up. We can be optimists because Christ has come. Christ has lived. Christ has loved and died and been raised from the dead. And he is making all things new. And in that we can always live in hope. So here's a thanksgiving prayer. I will give you thanks, Lord, in the great assembly. Among the throngs, I will praise you. God is good. And in all things, we give him thanks. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, in this weekend of thanksgiving, we pray, turn our eyes not to the darkness, but to the light. And both are real. And the darkness can be so dark but Lord, your brightness, your strength, your love, your grace, your victory, it is brighter still. And so, in fact, turn our eyes to Jesus. Help us to look full of his wonderful face. And then the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We pray this in his name.